Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. of the Believe Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And welcome to the Believe It Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. A lot to get to today. We'll hear from both Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin and Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher about about what they think of the game coming up on Saturday. And it should be a good one. Uh, the line is already down to three at a lot of books, and that's pretty much just the home team getting three points. So a uh, a big one. And, you know, we, we had this one circled. I mean, this was a game in which uh, many people thought that Ole Miss would have a hard time winning. I mean, I was one of those people that did that. I absolutely think – uh, they're going to take it down the wire. We'll get into Texas A&M in just a little bit. want to recap the Vanderbilt game, if we can, just for a moment. Ole Miss got up 26 to nothing, and look, I mean, they shut it down. Uh, we could talk about, <laughs> um, you know, playing poorly in the third quarter, and I get it. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt had a little bit of success. They scored the one touchdown in the third quarter, but Ole Miss essentially shut it down. It was a big day. Uh, for Ole Miss on offense, uh, threw it in the air, 254 on the ground, 177. So uh, finished up with 431 total yards. Held Vanderbilt to only 60 passing yards. I mean, that's a really, really good stat. And uh, the total yards for Vanderbilt, 229. And it was uh, was kind of a combination of Vanderbilt was just not very good and Ole Miss continues to get much better on defense. And uh, once again, the uh, MVP very well of the season could be Ole Miss defensive coordinator Pete Golding. He has been uh, an absolute gem so far. But Jackson Dart finished up with 19 completed passes. One touchdown for 240 yards. Had the one interception. And it, it was, uh, you know, just not uh, not a good throw. And, uh, look, we could, uh, you know, we could kind of break it down. He just made kind of a mistake and uh, didn't see the linebacker step in front. Something he can't do on Saturday, obviously. But, uh, you know, I think the game Saturday is absolutely going to be um, – it's going to be on the line of scrimmage. That, that's where Ole Miss and Texas A&M is going to be won. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt. We'll go over the scoring here in just a moment. But, you know, just wanted to point out that Ole Miss had to come into the game and limit Will Shepard. Uh, had four receptions, but only had 17 yards. And a long of five yards. I mean, that's how you win. You limit players uh, like a Will Shepard for Vanderbilt. Uh, running the ball – Quarterback Walter Taylor, most of this was in the second half, 20 carries for 93 yards. Uh, he netted 59 because he was sacked so many times. Loss of 34. Uh, but they're starting running back, or, or at least I think I think Jade McGowan started anyway. Had two carries for 21 yards. But Cedric Alexander played the most, I guess, seven carries, 26 yards, and A.J. Newberry. Three carries, 30 yards. Ole Miss, not the case. Quinshawn Judkins, 17 carries for 124 yards, two touchdowns, and average 7.3 yards a carry. That's the Quinshawn that we've been waiting on. And, uh, you know, I thought Chuck Roundsville in the postgame press conference asked him, you know, what kind of, you know, led you to start feeling better or running the ball better. And, uh, and he, he said, you know, I've been the same guy all along. Well, uh, you know, that could be debatable, <laughs> I think, but – Nonetheless, he, he he's running hard now. He's he's looking really good. Ulysses Bentley, seven carries and forty two yards, six point zero yards per carry. That's the way to do it. 
had the long of 16. And, of course, Judkins had that long of, uh, of 40 yards. Ole Miss ran the ball really well. We talked about Jackson Dart, 19 completions. He was 19 to 28, had the one pick. But the, the danger zone here, I think, for this week for Ole Miss is he was sacked three times. Texas A&M, number one team in the country in sacks with 30 – I think they've got they've either got thirty three or thirty five because Ole Miss has got I think a couple less and Ole Miss is like number four in the country in sacks on defense. Boy, I bet you didn't have that bingo card this summer, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't either. I never dreamed that. But uh, the player of the game, you know, no surprise here. Dane Wade, eight catches, one hundred twenty yards, the longest of forty, one touchdown. I'm sorry, the longest is uh, forty eight. 40, by the way, that number, yards after catch. 40 yards. Dayton Wade has been uh, phenomenal for this team. He's really stepped up. You know, Jordan Watkins had three catches. I I thought he had a couple, but he had three. 44 yards and uh, had the long of 23. He looked good catching it in pregame. And uh, he's going to be counted, have to be counted on on Saturday. Trey Harris, another another big day, six carry, uh, six uh, receptions, I should say, sixty-seven yards, and had the long of fifteen, thirty-nine yards after catch. So Trey Harris and Dade Wade, Dade Wade, uh, Aiden Williams had one catch. Um, Hudson Wolf didn't have a catch, was targeted once. It would have been a touchdown. Caden Lee was targeted once, and that was the uh, interception. He ran a good route; he was open, but Jackson just uh, threw it underneath and just did not see that linebacker. You know, you don't see Braylon Brown on the list. Uh, and you don't see Zakirian Franklin because he played, I think, maybe a couple of plays at the beginning of the game, and he didn't play any longer. I, I don't know if he took himself out. You know, Lane did not, you know, specify that. He, all he specified was that Aishim Young was a decision by the coaching staff. It was discipline-related, and he was not happy. Was not um, injury-related. It was purely discipline, and he was – boy, he could tell he was really upset. But that's it, and that, that's the wide receiving room. And, um, you know, you just you just cross your fingers, nobody gets hurt because it, it, Ole Miss just does not have the depth that I thought they would have there. They've been good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I think Dane Wade and Trey Harris, well, they're good. And, and I think Aiden Williams is going to be good in time. Caden Lee, you know, probably in time, just, just not right now. I mean, that's – as freshmen, they've, they've just got a little bit more uh, room to grow. Jordan Watkins, of course, playing with a broke hand. But you kind of, you being me and everyone else, is kind of waiting on those receivers that have been kind of, you know, sitting in the wings, and they just haven't they just haven't stepped forward. So that's kind of the way it was uh, through the year. Uh, another big day for Caden Davis. Two field goals, 127 and one uh, for 48. He continues to be really good. Six touchbacks. They did return return one punt. Uh, so, he is, he's been absolutely fantastic. Defensively, I mean, what do you say? You hold Vanderbilt to their lowest output, offensive output all year. This is fresh off a couple of weeks ago of them playing Georgia much better than any other team has played them. And Ole Miss will get plenty of opportunities <laughs> next Saturday when they get a chance to play Georgia. <laughs> Not an easy task between the hedges. But the question is, how big is that game going to be? Look, the season's already going to be good. I mean, it's already going to be a good season, regardless of what happens on Saturday and regardless of what happens in Georgia. Because Ole Miss, you know, right now on paper should beat uh, Monroe and they should beat Mississippi State on paper. If that's the case, the worst you can finish is 9-3. and three. It's a really good year. It's a lot better than I had them finishing. In fact, I had the, the ceiling at 9-3 and three this summer. That just goes to show you that predictions are just worth it absolutely as much as, as they are when they're written on a piece of paper. They're worth nothing, and mine included, by the way. So, it, uh, you know, I think even if they lose on Saturday and then lose against Georgia and finish 9-3, and three, it's a great season. It's a Florida Bowl, and it's the ceiling for what I thought this team could get to. Obviously, that's changed. Changed for me whenever uh, Ole Miss beat uh, LSU. The season completely changed because everything that they have out in front of them now is because of what they did against LSU. 
Now, sure, it, it was important to go on the Plains, but they were better than Auburn. I don't know if, if, if they've got the talent that LSU has, but you win the game, and that, that that's what you have to do. Talent on Saturday for LSU, I'm, I'm sorry, for Texas A&M, it's going to be really good. They're 5-3. and three. Tennessee, Alabama, and Miami. Arguments to be made, they were in all those games, you know, to a certain extent. But something's held that team back. Quarterback gets hurt, and uh, Max Johnson, who is someone that uh, has played Ole Miss before, but it was in a purple and gold uniform at LSU. So they've seen Max Johnson. I, I had a conversation with with a media member that covers the team, and I said, you know, Max Johnson's pretty much like a statue in the pocket. He's really not. And and I was kind of called out on that. And they said, nah, not really. He can move. He's, he's kind of deceptive the way he can elude pressure and get first downs if he needs to and lower his head. So it's going to have to contain him. But uh, it, it's an offense It's just, you know, I don't know. I feel like Ole Miss is better than Texas A&M. They're playing better than Texas A&M. And Ole Miss just has not had that precipitous block, uh, you know, drop-off. They just have not have not dropped off this year. I mean, they've had some games where they haven't played well, but they just haven't fallen apart. I mean, even even in the Auburn game a couple weeks ago, they were playing terrible in the first half, but it was 14-14. to 14. And I thought, they're going to win the game. Playing this bad in the game still. Once again, the difference between a good team and a great team is great teams win when they're not playing very good. And Ole Miss has done that a couple times this year. So, where are we at? Win Saturday, and the special season is still there for the taking. You'll hear the word free shot a lot if Ole Miss wins on Saturday against Georgia. You'll hear the term, you have nothing to lose. Georgia has all the pressure on them. Biggest game in since the 50s, maybe. I, I, mean, I can't think of anything any bigger. Because this has ramifications much larger than the SEC championship game. These are ramifications of a college football playoff berth. If you win Saturday and then you in turn beat Texas A&M, you're number four-ish, five-ish, six-ish in the country. Because you will absolutely catapult up the charts if you beat Georgia. The only loss is to an Alabama team that also has one loss. Should Alabama play Georgia in the SEC championship game and win? Vice versa, if Georgia wins, are you going to put Georgia in a playoff over a team that actually beat them when that team's only loss is to Alabama? Very, very uncharted territory for Ole Miss but there's a lot of football left. You cannot assume a victory over A&M. You cannot assume a victory over Georgia. And you absolutely cannot assume a victory over Mississippi State, which is, you know, they've got problems of their own. And it's over there in Starkville on Thanksgiving night. But, boy, isn't it fun to be in this position? Isn't it really cool to talk about an opportunity to play in a college football playoff. Just the opportunity. Because if you lose the game on Saturday, let's just say that Ole Miss just doesn't play well, and A&M comes out and Max Johnson is just throwing all over the field and A&M gets a couple of turnovers and, you know, they win 28-17 you know, or 28-21, whatever. It's still an opportunity to have a really good season. You still get a free shot against Georgia. It just doesn't feel like you have that enthusiasm to go – it feels like you're being a wounded animal walking into a hornet's nest because it's probably going to be a night game if you lose. Here's the deal. For for, for folks that, that, that know, the SEC, ESPN, CBS released their TV schedule two weeks in advance on Monday, usually about 11 o'clock, 11.30, when we're in uh, watching the press 
getting ready for the press conference. Well, on Monday it came out that it would be, it being the Ole Miss and Georgia game, would be either CBS, ESPN, ESPN2. There are a ton of games that day, but the kicker is it's either going to be 2.30 on CBS, 6 o'clock on ESPN, or 6.30 on ESPNU or ESPN2 or whatever. So the ESPN family, the point I'm trying to make, if Ole Miss loses to A&M, it's going to be a night game between the hedges. And you can imagine how that place is going to be. It's going to be an absolute zoo in Athens. But if you win, I think CBS has to take that game because it's a monster game. But the problem is you can, I think you can only be on CBS five times a year. And I think this would be three or four back-to-back for Georgia maybe. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure the numbers. I just know this. It's either going to be a 2.30 game on CBS or a night game. That's why it's imperative for Ole Miss to win on Saturday. So then I think, number one, to keep your hopes alive for the college football playoff. But two, it just feels like you have a much better chance if you can get Georgia at 2.30 versus at night. I'm a huge don't play on the road at night. Then again, I'm also understanding that Lane Kiffin is like 72% in night games at Ole Miss, which is unheard of when you look at the history with, with the other coaches that have came before him, come before him. But I think Jimbo, back to this game, I think Jimbo, DJ Durkin, Bobby Petrino, I think they're putting a lot into this game because if you can get to 6-3 and three if you're Texas A&M, the path to eight and four is there, and that gets a lot of pressure off. Now, I think pressure is still there. But if you can get past this game if you're Texas A&M, there's a very good season on the horizon for you, the way the schedule shakes out. I'm really excited. By the way, so happy to get to see so many of you in the Grove with the Inside the Rebels crew. Um, that was really neat to see, to put a, a username with a face. And I really enjoy that. And thank you for all the kind words that you said about this podcast and about the um, Red and Blue Crew podcast that we do with David Johnson. It's very, very kind of you. Secondly, so many of you um, said hello at the game on Saturday. I I had a chance to – had some family in town, so I kind of walked around at halftime and and ran into a lot of you. And you were so nice. And uh, that means a lot. And, and and you all talked about how you listen to the show, and that means a lot. And it almost, if anybody had any feedback, and I'll share with you because I'm a, I'm transparent, you know, 100%. Uh, everybody said, Brad, we really like the podcast. My goodness, you have got to loosen up. Okay, I have to admit, I'm very Ron Radio when it comes to talking sports because I'm just not – I'm not a a big-time entertainer. Uh, And I don't mind saying this because I think a lot of Ben Garrett, Ben has been in the podcast business for quite a while. And if I haven't told him this, you can tell him, or if he listens, he can hear it here. I don't mind telling him to his face that I think he he does a perfect, you know, mix of both entertainment and knowledge. And um, I hope to get to that point one day. I'm just not. I'm not as I'm not as good as that. It, it, when you talk about entertainment, I, I feel like this podcast is what I would want to listen to if I'm going down the road. Um, it's just there's a lot of information, um, and you know stats, radio calls, and that sort of thing. Like I said, after the break, we're going to hear from Lane Kiffin. We're going to hear from Jimbo Fisher. It's things that I hope that you guys enjoy to listen to the numbers, and it's much, it's much different than, than some other podcasts. But I do say this: I think Ben, uh, once again, I think he does a great job of incorporating entertainment versus stats, and so I'm going to try to do better. The podcast I do with David, it's much more personable. A lot of times, it's like it's at three o'clock in the morning or whatever, and so it's it's. Um, you know, it's after a game and we're both tired and, and, you know, you know how that goes. So I'll do better. I promise. But, 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 but you all were so, so nice. And, uh, that means so much to me and I can't thank you enough. This has been a fun year. And, um, 
I, I don't know how I can put into words how much I love college football. Um, it means so much to me, I think, because it, it gives me an outlet. It means so much to me because that's the way I grew up. I mean, I grew up getting the Daily Journal, and at the top of the Daily Journal, it would have about 16 high school football scores. And um, I would read those scores into a uh, a tape recorder, and I would go let my dad and my mom listen to it. <laughs> and uh, back then, it wasn't even Sunday 93. It was 93.3, and it was based out of Houston, Mississippi, WCPC. And uh, I forget the, the gentleman's name, and, and I think he has is, is long since passed away. But uh, he had a very distinctive voice, and he would read those high school scores. And he would always use a word like Trump he uh, or pounced, defeated, blasted. And it would be Tupelo. Bashes Starkville, seventeen to three. And that's just the way I grew up. That's all I knew. And obviously, things would would adapt and you know head off to college and that sort of thing. But um, that's that's all I knew. I mean, I knew where I, I can remember where I was when uh, you know I didn't get to go to very many away games, but I can remember where I was in nineteen ninety when the hit happened in Little Rock. I remember that like it was yesterday. David Kellum had the call. That was David's second year calling Ole Miss football. 89 was his first year. And the call was with Lyman Hellams and Stan Sandroni. And I listened to every game. I remember the game... I think it was 90, it may have been 91 or it may have been 89 when Ole Miss played Arkansas and Jackson. I remember where I was in 1989 when Ole Miss played Alabama in Jackson. I was in Danvers. Do you remember where Danvers was at Oxford? Well, I was in there. They had the game on the radio. And you could hear it throughout Danvers. We left, and it was either 21 or 28 to nothing Ole Miss, and I was so excited. And Ole Miss would eventually lose the game um, by a lot. I think that was the game where Hollingsworth, maybe, was the quarterback for Alabama. And it was the year after Ole Miss beat Alabama in 1988, 22-12, the day they enshrined the Paul Bryant Museum. In fact, they had to do it another day because they lost that game. Ole Miss came in and spoiled their homecoming. Well, Ole Miss uh, had their um, welcome spoiled in Jackson as uh, as as Alabama. I think it was sixty three to twenty eight. Something I don't know why I remember the number sixty three. But that's what college football means to me, and I love it. And it's really cool to see Ole Miss being a big player in college football. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back here from Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin, here from Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher. And before we get to them, I want to play a clip from Peter Burns of the SEC Network. I thought he had a lot of cool things to say about the Ole Miss program and also about head coach Lane Kiffin. Man, I, I I think, you know, as much as I think LSU, Alabama is the number one game, and people are going to say it's Georgia, uh, Missouri number two, I think they're wrong. I think the second biggest game is that A&M Ole Miss squad. Um, I'm really impressed with Ole Miss. Like, I, defensively, they remind me a lot this year of how they were in the 10-win season when they had D.J. Durkin running the defense. They got Pete Golden running the defense. They got a lot of upperclassmen guys that have transferred in. Like, they are legit. And I, I think they're actually rounding into a really good team. And I, I think this could be a struggle for A&M. Like, they've got playmakers. The only problem is, and I don't know if you notice, noticed this, and maybe it's just outside looking in and you got more perspective on it, but I feel like every time I watch Max Johnson and this A&M offense, it's like listening to a podcast at like .75 speed. 
That was Peter Burns of the SEC Network appearing on TexAgs.com radio with David Nuno. And, uh, boy, TexAgs.com, they do a wonderful job with their podcasting, their radio network, and also uh, their website. But uh, we appreciate that audio. Now, here is what Lane Kiffin said about the possible beef between Lane Kiffin and Jimbo Fisher. You know, I I think it's a little bit – I think Lane just – Lane doesn't have – Beef. Lane likes attention, right? Like I don't. I don't think Lane actually truly hates somebody or whatever. I think Lane just likes to poke the bear a little bit because it gets him trending. But I will say this about Lane, because uh, I've I've ripped Lane to shreds over the last decade, ever since he acted I thought like a petulant child when he left Alabama um, in the national middle of the national championship run. I noticed the way Lane coached against Auburn that made me think he had finally grown up. Because he wanted that Auburn job badly, <clears throat> and Auburn didn't give it to him. And so, you know, he could have made this a whole spectacle, a circus about him going down to Auburn and what it was like, but he was really quiet about it. He didn't say really a word. He just went and coached, and he didn't make a big deal out of it. I'm like, that's the first time I've seen Lane not act like a you know keyboard warrior on a big game. And I was like, all right, maybe, that, maybe it's the moment he realized this team is really good, let me get it the hell out of the way and let me just coach. And if that's the case, I, I, I think Ole Miss is a pretty damn good squad. As once again, Peter Burns of the SEC Network on TechZags.com with David Nuno. And, you know, he said a lot, but I think more than anything is uh, he's excited about this game. And so are we. I think it's the easily the second best game of the day. And it's going to be so much fun to watch Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Let's take a timeout. Let's come back. We'll hear from Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin. We'll hear from Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher. It's Ole Miss and Texas A&M inside Vaught-Hemingway Stadium with kickoff at 11 o'clock. Take a timeout. Back with more right here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. Today's show is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Just head on over to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. But online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Realtor Debbie Alderson Johnson. If you're looking for a spot in the Oxford area or quite frankly anywhere in Mississippi, that is your go-to. Remember, real estate industry since 2003. Looking for that special ag property, maybe a recreational property, maybe a commercial real estate property or a new home. Uh, Debbie does a great job and can be your real estate agent today. Just contact her directly at 662-234-5555. Of course, that's a member of the Kessinger Real Estate family estate.com and Debbie has been with them for quite a few years. If you need to get her directly, just dial her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Remember, your go-to for real estate, whether it be commercial, farm, or maybe you need that home. Maybe you need that second home in Oxford. You're looking maybe to relocate to Oxford. Part of the real estate family, the Kessinger Real Estate family. Debbie Johnson, your realtor, 662-234-5555. Or call her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Debbie Johnson, a proud sponsor here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Cisco Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, T-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. If you're looking for the perfect game day outfit for the Grove, look no further than the Rogue in Jackson. Live in Oxford? 
no problem. Go to therogue.com and shop the collegiate section. And there you'll find Horn Legend, Peter Millar, the best selection of Rebel Game Day clothing. Celebrating 56 years of business and a sponsor of the Grove Collective. When you're in Jackson, go by the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in the capital city. An extensive collection of sports coats, suits, shirts from brands like Peter Millar, Tom Beckby, Brax, Jack Victor, Mark Digman, and others. And when you stop by the store in Jackson, and that's where you'll see the best selection of Rebel Game Day clothing. That's the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in Jackson. Go by and tell them that you heard about it on the Believe It On Miss podcast. Hi, this is Brad Logan. The Grove Collective's mission is to support, elevate, and protect the well-being of all our student-athletes through a wide range of NIL opportunities and initiatives at Ole Miss. The Collective was established to deliver a best-in-class NIL experience that is worthy of the student-athletes who give their all for Ole Miss. This consolidated and sustainable model provides premium access and experiences between our members, corporate partners, and our athletes. To support all Ole Miss athletes and their NIL platforms, visit thegrovecollective.com. That's the GroveCollective.com. Join our team. Become a member today. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. challenge this week um you know these guys are absolutely loaded it's kind of a mind-blowing collection of um talent as you watch them offensive offensively defensively returning game special teams i mean it really is um like an nfl roster i mean height weight speeds explosiveness receivers that can score at any time great running backs uh defenses playing as well as anybody in the country the collection of defensive line has to be, you know, one of the best ever. So, um, and linebackers probably playing as, you know, like the SEC player of the year. So this, this will take a great week of practice, great preparation, great scheme, um, you know, to, to play these guys. So um, this, is, this is a huge challenge. They've done a phenomenal job of getting a collection of, of players that, um, are extremely elite, talented players. So um, even better than a year ago. So it's a big challenge. Well, you may have touched on it right there with Texas A&M, I think, leading the country in team sacks. Just what have you seen from their front, and what do you believe has given – what about them has given a lot of teams problems? They're just dominant. I mean, they're dominant players in the run, and they can pass rush. Um, they bring other ones in to rush too. Um, it really is um, not real exciting for a line coach. I can tell you that to watch these cutups. So, um, A&M's done a great job of collecting players um, and putting them together. So, it's a big challenge. Playing a third straight year in one of the two polls programs top 10 or cracked inside the top 10 just what does that speak to what you've been able to do especially with you know setbacks during the season that y'all been able to overcome well i think that's kind of neat i guess three straight years to be in the top 10 but it doesn't matter 
to me except for what do you finish so it's good that it brings attention to the program and um, to be able to do that um, especially as you're going against a program that normally you would think would be the team in the top 10 three years in a row with their roster um, you know that says a lot about our players our coaches our fans but though what really matters is where do you finish at the end of the year um, you know so that's our goal um, you know to keep getting better keep winning games um, you know we try to you know achieve our goals and not let others achieve their goals I think um, I read where Jimbo said their goal is to be bowl eligible so if we can get in the way of that that would be good um, for us too no, a lot was made in the offseason about them bringing in Bobby Petrino as offensive coordinator. Just what, how have you seen his influence on what they're doing offensively? Bobby does a great job, always has wherever he's been. Really um, great schemes, great play caller. I actually was um, quality control coach at the Jacksonville Jaguars when he was the offensive coordinator. Um, and I've always had unbelievable respect for him, um, football knowledge and IQ. Along those lines, Lane, how different has their offense looked since the quarterback Weigman went out and Johnson's come in? Have you seen a noticeable difference in what they try to do? No, I think that he he calls his plays and um, you know does a great job of it and kind of um, has a pro style passing game, um, but then gives you some problem college elements to it too. So um, that you know, like I said, they're they're better personnel than a year ago collection, and a lot of those young guys are a year older. And they're obviously way better schematically on offense. You've obviously gone up against a lot of really good defenses since you've been at Ole Miss. Where does this one, just in terms of talent, rank against the teams that you've gone against? Um, I mean, talent-wise, it's got to be as good as anybody. Um, I mean, I, I certainly realize who's coming next on the schedule. But, um, I mean, these guys, when you look at height, weight, speed, and the way that they, they run, um, I mean, I don't know how you collect much better. So congratulations to their group that collected these guys. Eight games in, uh, haven't had that morning game. Had a lot of six, 6.30s, couple midday. Is there anything to getting that first early game this late in the season? Is it maybe better getting it this early and this late in the season? I, I don't know. Um, you know, I always thought we would play well. We're a morning format team, so we practice every day early in the morning. The kids are here at 6, 6.30 in the morning every day. We're already off the field now. Um, majority of people are more um, traditional old school afternoon practice. So I would think body clockwise this would always benefit us in 11 a.m. games. So the other week it was said we play great on road night games, which I didn't realize. So um, who knows? These guys... I was thinking it was in our favor, but they just got used to it because they just played one um, a week ago. So who knows? Any benefit from DJ having been on the staff with you, as far as you're concerned? Benefit for us? Yeah. I don't think really. Um, that usually benefits them more, you know, from um, initially knowing the personnel of us, um, you know, and what we do. But And when he was here, we kind of played different schematical um, the last two years and what they're doing now. So I don't think it benefits us a lot. With that front coming to town, is there something you'd say to your offensive line or does the challenge kind of just speak for itself? Um, I mean, we, we got to play really well um, in all areas. Um, whenever you have personnel that you go play like this, um, you know, and glad it's at home at least. So maybe there's some crowd noise involved um, where Obviously, at their place, that's an issue, helping them get off the ball. And they've been, uh, they've played very different, as you can see, record-wise, um, you know, under Jimbo at home with that crowd and on the road has been dramatically different. Just kind of along those lines, how has John Garrison done eight games in? What, what's he kind of like as a coach? He's done a really good job with the guys. Um, coached with him before and... Um, I think really did a good job, especially under the, all the pressure and conversations about not running the ball well early in the year and kept the guys together and um, it's done a really good job. whole month of October, you held all three opponents to under 300 yards defensively. you got to be excited about that team finally uh, stepping up and playing like you wanted them. 
I am pleased with our our defense, how we're playing, but we're going to have a much bigger challenge, um, you know, with their schematical change this year. Um, they present a lot more challenges than before and, and elite players. So um, we're, we're going to have a really big challenge um, against these guys. And you've, you've gone through it a couple times now, um, bringing in receiving options through the transfer portal. Is, is there a science... Um, developing chemistry between your quarterback and those guys quickly? Have, have, have you learned how to maybe facilitate that? Well, a lot of that's on them. I mean, they got to do a lot of off-season work, and sometimes you get guys really late like Sakari, so they don't have that. Um, but that that is a challenge, and it's a challenge in your timing passing game for those guys to get used to each other, especially if you have some guys miss time like Trey did, you know, or Jordan um, with his hand, you know, so that that is a challenge. Um, there's some reports that Jimbo might be on the hot seat. Just what are some of the challenges um, when you are coaching with kind of that pressure on you? And is it possible that kind of his guys rally around him, play even maybe a little bit harder for him? Uh, I don't know that. I mean, I think people said he was on the hot seat last year, so I don't know that the rally around player thing works. Um, you know, it's part of the profession. And, you know, I think that it just goes with it. So you just got to go back to work and um, do the best that you can every week. And then is, I know, big challenge this week, but is there any concern about guys looking ahead to Georgia or not really? No. I mean, this team's way too talented to look ahead. Um, if they were, they got woken up this morning when we showed them the film. So you know, I know I've said it a number of times. I mean, this is like an NFL roster of talent collected and put together. Um, and now it's even harder than it was the last two years to beat them because now they have Bobby Bobby Petrino running the offense. So um, this is a, a really, really, really elite, talented team that very easily could be a top five team in the country. And that was Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin, the weekly press conference prior to the game against Texas A&M. Now let's hear from Jimbo Fisher, head coach for Texas A&M prior to playing Ole Miss on Saturday. Like I said, got out of the blocks a little slow, offensively and even defense. We give up a drive on defense. And then after the first three, we score six out of the next seven. Offensively, moved the ball really well. Uh, scored the three touchdowns in the next three drives in the third quarter, in the second quarter, and then three straight. Uh, had a really long drive down there, which, we, again, we thought we scored and then had another chance and got a field goal. And then another one, we had a half a yard. Probably would have went for it, but we were up one score, so wanted to go for two, make, make get up two scores, and then uh, had a penalty on the next turnover. And, and after we got set back, make, did a good job of getting it back in field goal range, hit a really nice field goal long there. But uh, defense, we did a really nice job in the game. After that, I think, second drive of the game, uh, they got down and got to score, and then uh, they got really – second quarter, really strong offensively and defensively. They played well defensively. We responded well offensively. Uh, did a good job keeping the quarterback in the pocket. They did some things early to get him outside. We adjusted. Uh, they had really good receiver skill guys, and Rattler can really play. I mean, he, he's a really good football player. Guy going play. He'll play on Sundays and play a long time. So into receivers. And uh, back did a good job. But then uh, I think second half come out and we give up that drive defensively the second half right off the bat, which we hadn't done. And then they, they then we come back and get a field goal and then they get another draw, long drive and get a touchdown, and get it back within the score. And then we come back and get another, got that long drive and got to the 11 yard line, had a half a yard, it's under a yard. And I said, yeah, we need to get up two scores. Uh, that was good there. And got, then we got control of the game again. But they were back and forth. They have good skill guys. But uh, coming off the off week, it was good. Now we got to get better. Uh, uh, and what we got, Ole Miss is a really good football team. Uh, like I say, everybody talks about them offensively, which they're, you know, their running backs are outstanding. Quarterbacks, athletic, can make plays, throws the ball, receivers. Transfer portal's been done really well with these guys. Nine, 19, 11 have all done really well. Their offensive line's good. But their defense, man, has really played well. They've had some shutouts here lately and played extremely well. Their front, uh, they've done a really good job in the transfer portal there, 89 transferring Pegas. JJ is a, he's a dynamic inside guy, physical. 95 is very physical. 90 is physical with all those guys inside. The ends can rush. 2 and 15 are athletic, long. Six, you know, six two and a half, six three, two sixty, two seventy, one six five, can rush. Uh, they get four. The young backer Perkins, who was an outstanding young freshman, who they get him on the edge and and play him at backer in there. The linebackers twenty three and eleven. 
Uh, seven's been a great junior college transfer for him. One of the best corners will play. Uh, six is a really good player. Three, 25, five. I mean, they've all done a really good job. And in this, in this uh, special teams, they're sound in what they do and got good returners, good kickers, good punters, and, and do a really nice job. So we're going to have to play well on the road and uh, you know, need to, to get, have a good week of practice to be able to go do that. So questions? Down front, Brett. Y'all had the string of touchdowns in the second quarter, but, but the past four games, is there anything when you look at the tape and you say, hey, what can we do different in the second half in terms of offense? No, well, we did. Listen, touchdowns. we went down and scored three straight drives, and we scored a touchdown, which was a touchdown. I ain't going to sit there and say it didn't. I mean, I, I don't, I'm going to balance with it. I think the game was called very well in the game, and I can see that guy saying, hey, that, not saying that's a touchdown, but when you review it, and the explanation I got, the only problem I had with it was it said that we didn't see, we couldn't tell if the ball moved. Well, if it balled, we couldn't tell if the ball moved, it didn't move. So if his foot's down and the ball didn't move, isn't that a touchdown? <laughs> so that's a, a touchdown. The next one, like I said, we're fourth and a half a yard and probably would have went for it again. But instead of taking that chance and leaving him in the game, you went up two scores. So, But we controlled the ball with the running game, had 14-play drive, a nine-play drive. And then the third drive, we kicked a field goal. We got a penalty. That's the only – we had two, only had two penalties in the game. And we had caught a holding call that set us back, and we did a good job of recovering back to get in field goal range. And then the game's over. Then at the end, a couple times, could we have thrown the ball and done some things at once? But once it got down inside five minutes, we wanted to eat clock and just take the game as we went, and, and we're able to kick field goals. So weren't there. So I don't think, you know, I thought we played well second half on offensively uh, down there. I wish we would have got touchdowns. But we're right there from a touchdown we catch, and the next one, Noah's got it, and the guy – gets his hand that's the inches we've got to keep playing for that so i don't i like what we did and how we did it so keep getting better have you had any thought of rethinking your travel schedule when you travel two days before uh, no that's the best thing we do and the reason we do it's because academics it's the best academic day we get all day on friday and we get the whole team there and our academics get uh, get those guys for three hours in the morning it's not just about the travel it's about getting them off the streets on thursday night get extra rest and then you get academics on friday because when you leave here on friday you're missing class and that way you don't miss class and study hall and all the things that go with it. So it helps the kids academically to even be better there on Friday. So we have a better academic day on Friday because you'd have to miss class, have your meetings, and then leave early. So it helps us academically to do that. Unless that's Second not important. Rule, <laughs> of course, I'm going to have a few things. Um, <laughs> does uh, How much when you face Lane do you have to account for maybe some of the or unorthodox things that – that, that he tends to do in games, like, for instance, faking a punt at his own 16-yard line last year? People do that all the time. I mean, there's different people who do it. I mean, everybody, every coach has his own style of how you coach and what you play, and his has been, he's been very successful with his and very done a good job. So, I mean, you go off guys' tendencies just like you would what a guy's tendencies on fourth down, when it's on red zone, whether it's – I mean, whatever they're – you know, like last week, we were ready for every – you know, uh, Shane Beamer is always known to pull fakes. They've got – their punter was four for four – with completions. I mean, so every fake punt, every angle, they did two. They did a really good unbalanced formation where they'd never showed us in that game where they had to guard. Had to guard was an eligible guy, which we hadn't seen. And our guys recognized it because we were aware that, you know, they, they will do things, as I say, shenanigans or tricks on punt things like that, too. We, were, we had to go over that last week. That was a big emphasis during the week for the success they've always had on, on their punt, you know, their special team. So, I mean, each coach has this tendency of what he wants to do when he wants to do it. People didn't realize that Nick used to be a big guy like that. Just like when he won a national, helped win the national championship against Clemson that day when he hit that bloop kick, remember, to the right. We used to, when we were at LSU, we would do those things. We let off a game uh, against Auburn one year for the SEC championship. We were playing for the SEC West, and they got a penalty off pre-snap, danced on our eye, the Tiger, and uh, we were at LSU, and we started from the fifth, and we opened with an onside kick and got it, went down and scored and took control of the game. So, I mean, coaches, you look in their background where they're at, so you always have tendencies of guys that do that, and Lane definitely does. Um, Bryce Anderson, um, my question for him is, how big a factor is he in the run defense? Oh, huge. When you're a Nick, I mean, listen, your safeties are linebackers. And you're calling, I mean, people don't understand how the defense is designed, and even corners are. When you have what I call trap corners or two deep corners that play inside, there's, there's different ways to play cover two when you're outside. But then there's times when, when you're an inside trap corner, what I mean, you get inside the receiver where you can't be blocked in a cover two, you're in the run fit. So our safeties and corners and your nickels, they're all like linebackers. So their gap responsibility of how you spill the ball or set the ball or how they spill it back is huge in what you do in the run game. And I just want to ask one last thing about punting. Uh, uh, Nick's been struggling the last mm -hmm. three games. Is, is 
is that to a point where you give somebody else a shot or no just... right Nick's our punter and he's a very good punter and done it for a long time and and we'll work on his technique and get his you know get his timing and rhythm and like I say it's just I mean it's a difference from your toe being here to here different different in ball placement and sometimes it's even the ball drop where the tip is or that it's got to get him back in the groove and and we had a we had a lucky breakdown we had a one we had missed a a twist up front that they should have had a could have had a block kick on us in that game, and it was by a very significant guy that shocked me that he missed it. <laughs> a guy that's a really really good player for us, an experienced player. But it just shows you on everything that happens, it can happen. And that rushed one of them, but he he hasn't been kicking it like he normally does. So we'll get him back this week and get him going. Statistically, that was a block because the ball changed trajectory. Was it really? Yes, did, sir. Did he yeah, get a piece we went of back it? video gotcha. and saw that going back behind the lights to Tyler. Jimbo, what have you seen from Mark Nabu um, and just kind of his his development this season? He's going to be a good player, and he keeps playing him and him and Cam. We rotate at guard. Those guys are going to be both really good young players. And uh, Mark's a very versatile guy. He started at center for one game for us. He played a whole game at center already this year. I think it was ULM game. If I'm yes, not mistaken. I believe um, so. I believe it was. He yes. was a center. Couldn't play multiple positions and has the ability to play tackle. He's athletic, long, big, and smart guy. And to play three positions and play center and make the calls. Very intelligent, very gifted guy. And then what, can you put your finger on maybe, you know, some of the struggles you guys have had on the road um, lately and just, what, you know, what is the key to going? Well, when you go on the road, you got, you got to silence the crowd. You can't, the momentum swings and you got to play better football. You got to be sound in what you do and everything that goes on. And you got to understand the mentality you got to take on the road. You got to block out the noise, block out the clutter and, and, and go play. I mean, you got to execute in critical moments and that's what it gets down to. We'll stay back behind the lights, right side, Justin. Then down front, Cole. Jimbo, update on uh, Le'Veon. Will he be back this week? Yeah, should be. Should yeah. be back. Should be back and in practice today. What uh, when you look at Jackson Dart, what, what sticks out about him? Playmaker. First thing I think of. Can throw it. Has very strong arm. Gets the ball down the field. Gets the shot plays to where they got to get to. But then can improvise and run. And then they have planned quarterback runs off of it too. Whether it's cheat runs, runs up inside, and can run between the tackles or outside. So I mean, a very gifted guy with a lot of ability, and they rely a lot on him and on his legs and his arm. Down front, Cole. Jim, well, there's always a tentativeness when it comes to quarterback in the SEC. But they have two running backs in Ulysses Bentley and Quinshawn Junkins who do a very nice job of complementing each other. Mm -hmm. What about the offense really stands out with Lane when it comes to those two? Well, I mean, I think the balance. They run the football, take shots, and the quarterback can create plays with his legs. I mean, they're physical up front, but they got the receivers. The transfer portal has been tremendous for them. They've, they've done a great job. I mean, you know, some people do it in, in high school recruiting. Some guys do it in the portal. They're doing it, do it in the portal and get experienced guys. The guys can make plays down the field. Dart can take shots. He can create plays with his legs. You know, when things break down or if it's planned. So, I mean, you're playing a, a team that can run with the backs, run with the quarterback, and throw the ball down the field with, with very uh, dynamic playmakers, whether they're, they're quick change of direction guys that can get the ball in screen game and stuff or can take shots down the field. So, I mean, they're very balanced. They're very good, very good guys. And then also when you just look at Moose Muhammad, his rep count's kind of gone down or he wasn't, didn't seem to really be active in the last mm -hmm. game. Is, is there a reason behind that? No, or? I mean, just guys are playing and different things we're doing schematically, and some guys are playing – they're in the rotation, and he'll be he'll be right there. There's nothing wrong he's doing. We'll keep him going. Fourth row on the left. Howdy, Coach. There you go. Um, so you guys had some really good success uh, in short yardage this last weekend. Was that something that, that you just saw something? You, you know, did no, we worked on it. We sneaks? were very conscientious of it uh, and going in. And we had been until the last first two – I mean, the last two games we haven't. But we were very we're pretty good on short yardage before that. We faced a couple good teams, and like I said, the Alabama game, the first one, we had a missed assignment. We, just, we had a guy go the wrong way, then we had a throw that we just didn't get off, and then uh, we had another third and two in that game. We got about a yard. We let the punt it, and then uh, at Tennessee, we got had two and gained about one and a half, and then we stepped on our toe on the next one. So uh, that was the end of that. And before that, we were good, and last game we were good, so hopefully we'll continue to be good. But can your guys gain a lot of confidence when you when you have success on the short yards? Oh, situation? yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, anytime you have success in anything you're doing, the more success you have, I don't care if it's throwing deep balls, quick game, covering, punting, you know, whatever it may be, the, you have success, it brings confidence. And it's amazing how you can have a, a play that misses by that far and a guy will go, all of a sudden, kid will think, well, I'm just not, we're not any good at it. And you make it by that far, and you think, boy, we're the best in the world at it. <laughs> it's amazing how the mindset of things go on. And that's why I say you can't ever 
get too high or too low and just keep your confidence and understand why it happened. And our guys did a really good job, I thought, this week of bouncing back and converting those situations because they were huge in the game. Front row right. Travis. On the goal line and in the field. And then cease. Hey, Jim, but with the transfer portal, how many guys are moving, coaches moving, do you find that in this area of college football you have to change up your signals more often? Because oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, you all, we do that all the time. That's all. Not any more than you normally do. You used to always do them. Have – Four things for this, three things for this, four things. I mean, a signal can, like one, you can have three different signals for the same thing. You always do it to mix them up and match them. That's always been, that's the old baseball. You've been to baseball. How, how'd you do it on third base? If third base guy kept the same signals every day, they knew yeah. when you was bunting, they knew when you was hitting and running, they knew when you was stealing, they was pitching. Am I right? It's, yeah. it's no different, Yeah. I mean, from what you're doing in baseball. I mean, that's where it all came from. Yeah. Because we used to send them, pay. in our day when I played, they sent players in. You didn't even signal. Mm-hmm. Did, did you? Was, do you all know across the conference who are the teams that are good at picking off signals and have mitigations for that? Yeah, and and like I always say, I, I mean, if you do them in the middle of a game and you can pick them up, that's more power to you. That's what you used to do on third base, coach. I mean, during the day. I mean, some of the other stuff I ain't gonna get into, but <laughs> but I mean, you know, the the you, you're smart enough to figure it out then. But you know, and that's why you have multiple things, and and you have like you know, we have a kill sign. Give them away. Where's the live sign? Where's uh, who's a, who's a dummy signaler? Who's live? I mean, you know, yeah, you, the whole gamut. Front left cease. That's why if we just make a piece in the ear and we can talk, cure a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> cure Jim, a lot of problems. Jimbo, you talk about self evaluation. So you went forward on fourth down four times after two for seven in the in the early in the season. You're playing Lane, who goes for a lot of fourth. Have you thought about changing and going for more fourth downs? Well, it just depends. It's, you can't go in and say, I'm going for every fourth down. If you want to, you can. I always believe it's the flow of the game, momentum of the game, the situation of the game, how your defense lines up against their offense, where your offense lines up against their defense, and where your strengths and weaknesses are. I, I think it's too complicated, and it's not that cut and dry to say, I'm just going for it on fourth down. I mean, got based on the score of the game, flow of the game. And there's too many mitigating factors that tell you to do it or not do it, in my opinion. That's just the way I look at it. But I guess what has to be, be more apt to gamble now than maybe earlier in the year last year. No, just depends on how the flow of the game. If we're, I mean, if we're ahead and we need a score to go up three or a score to go up two or, you know, to put it away or whatever, yeah, I mean, you're always – and your approach is never going to change, I don't think, anymore. You know, maybe theirs does. You know what I mean? And, and like I say, you saw, as, as like I said, some of those weekends I got to watch, some of those guys went for it and cost themselves. I mean, you know, some guys cost themselves and not taking points and things. And like, that's just nature to be. If you execute it, it's a great analytic. If you don't, it's a bad analytic. <laughs> <laughs> Second row left, Carter. Jimbo, you guys have uh, rotated at, at left guard and uh, right tackle. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if, if that's kind of like a riding the hot hand situation, or is that... Well, no, uh, those guys deserve to play. Those guys have earned the right to play in practice, and we feel very comfortable in the game. It's like having two... We, we think those guys are co-starters, and we want to keep developing those guys and what we're trying to do. With Edger and Cooper, I'm, did you foresee him improving this much, and have you seen a player improve this much year to year? Have you yeah, seen many? I've seen a lot of them do it that way. I mean, I don't mean that... I mean, guys that have played, and, and it's when it when the light comes on. Did he always have the ability to do it? Yes, and it got down. And I can say, well, what did he do? What did he go lift weights? Did he go drink? No, base fundamental things. Eyes in the right place, understanding the defense, studying for the test. And like I say, there's a difference too when maturity comes and you're at linebacker and all the multiplicity of things you have to do. There's a difference. You've, it's like when you've taken a test in school. You used to take a test and you make good grades. And, but you write that answer down, and you're pretty – you're 85, 90. Well, I'm pretty sure I got that one right. Then there's other times, no, I guarantee you I made that one right. And that's the way he's playing. He knows the answers to the test because he's understanding, two, film study, player – I mean, you understand how quick a college guy – I don't mean to go in, but you're 18 to 22. You don't know how to – how many guys – how many kids when you went to college, did you really know how to study for a test? A really hard professor coming out of high school? Unless you were blessed at a certain high school – not that you didn't have knowledge, not that you weren't intelligent, but did you really know how to study for a big-time exam in what you were doing? That's the way players don't. And, they, and most of the players that come into high school, come out of high school are what? Better than everybody they play against. 
So what do they do? They don't have to cram the details of how to study to, to be a great player because their physical abilities take over that. And time, while you say guys make big jumps, it's not they've gotten physically better and stronger. But what happens is the game, they talk about the games. They learn how to study and they learn how to prepare and they know how to recognize formations. They know how to recognize a guard's stance in front of him. He's a light-handed. He's a heavy-handed. They know how to read a quarterback's dynamics or his eyes when he comes to the ball. If he has a habit of looking up on a pass, looking down on a run, whatever. I mean, all those little things make a nuance about what's going to happen and knowing eliminating 98% of what's going to happen and get it down to 1% or 2% and then they react quicker. Now you see their physical skills. And I know it's that, it's that simple. It's maturity. It's also – you. Your development and how you prepare for a game, and not just guys say, "Well, yeah, they can study film and watch film," but do they study? Do they know what they're looking at? And then, as a coach, you try to teach your players. I mean, all right, we're studying this situation. This is what we're looking for. You're looking for these tendencies, these, and it's an art to learn how to study film. It really is, and how to prepare. And I think that's what you're seeing with him, because now he's always been able to run, hit, play, physical do all those things, and I think what's happening, he's learned how to study for the test, and he's, he's knowing the answers or getting it down to one or two things before it, before it happens, and that's what you're seeing. Right side, Ben, you wrap us up. We've got players ready. Coach, uh, earlier in the year, their run game uh, seemed like it struggled to get going at times, and, and it's gotten going a little bit. You say, you're saying Ole Misses? Ole Misses, yes, okay, okay, especially yes, with Judkins. Have you seen anything uh, that they've been doing well lately or – well, I mean, they're getting hats to a hat, and I, 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 it's getting back in the groove. And I think sometimes, you know, you start, you know, you, they were throwing the ball a little bit in the beginning of the season too, throwing the ball a little more and doing some things. And I think they've gotten back into running the football and taking the shots and do what they always do, and they're doing a really good job of it. And I think the more carries he got, the more, you know, I've had that with some of the backs. I had it back at times, you know, even, uh, you know, the chain spiller, you know, go back to Dalvin Cook. I remember one year, the first game, he was just missing cuts. And sometimes those guys have come off great years, like he did as a freshman. I mean, what, he had 1,400 yards or something like that. You come back the next year and you say, okay, it's like when Jameis won the Heisman for me. All right, I got to go do – I got to do better than I did the year before. No, you don't. You got to run the play that's in front of you, whatever the defense gives you. And sometimes you press. And I don't know if that's the case or whatever, but, man, he's in the groove now. He's hitting the runs. You see the cuts. And, and he very rarely misses cuts. And, and both backs, I mean, and they're blocking. They got in the groove of what they're doing offensively and done really well. They're playing well. And that was Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher meeting with the media this week as his team gets ready to face Ole Miss. It's at 11 o'clock a.m. at Vaughn-Hemingway Stadium. Expect a capacity crowd and excited uh, to have you along for the ride on the post-game show. That's, of course, on the Rapid Reaction Podcast with David Johnson and I on the Red and Blue Crew Podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you then. I'm really excited about the game. You know, like I talked about a little bit earlier in the, in the show. Uh, I'm just excited to see what happens on Saturday because I think it's going to be fun. And this is the first time this year that I've allowed myself to really look at this thing just from an entertainment uh, standpoint. And this very well could be a very fun football game, akin to the Kentucky game last year. It's Ole Miss and Texas A&M. It's here. We've had this game circled all year. This is one of them that I think a lot of people were wondering if Ole Miss could could, uh, could beat A&M at home. Uh, they've been very good against A&M the last couple of years. Uh, A&M comes in 5-3, and three, the three losses, Tennessee – uh, we remember that was a close one. Miami, one of the first games of the year. And, of course, Alabama. But Jimbo needs it. Their back's against the wall. They feel like they can win this game. I mean, the line right now is at three. Sometimes some one, a couple of books have it at four. But it's basically Ole Miss is getting uh, three points or giving, however they say it or whatever, because it's home field, three points. Ole Miss and A&M. It's, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Grateful for our sponsorship, of course, with Debbie Johnson. She's our real estate agent. She can be yours today. Also, our good friends down on the Rogue, down in Jackson, I should say. And uh, they've got everything that you need uh, for game day. Also, our friends over at College Corner Store, located right off Sisk Avenue. And Bet Online. Remember, Bet Online, the last of the major pro sports leagues, is off and running, and college basketball is ready to go as well. And we talked some. If not now, we're going to talk a lot more about Chris Beard. That dude's got it figured out. Ole Miss is is going to be really good this year in hoops. We'll get we'll talk hoops soon enough. Bet Online remains your top source for all your live betting action and contests. The NFL, college football, UFC, NHL—they're all in full swing. Bet Online, your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. 
Remember, bet online where the game starts. Look forward to talking with you at the end of the game. Hopefully, we're talking about a Rebel win. Ole Miss A&M, 11 o'clock on Saturday. We'll talk to you in the postgame show, the Red and Blue Crew Podcast, and then right here on the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast, a part of the Believe Network, next week. So long, everybody. to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.